welcome to College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA. I'm Corbin McGuire, your host. Today's guest is a special one. She's a four-time Olympic gold medalist, an NCAA champion, a 10-time WNBA All-Star, and current Vice President of Basketball Operations and General Manager for the Indiana Fever. And that's not it. She also owns the business we're sitting in today, Tease Me, a tea shop in downtown Indianapolis. I'd like to welcome Tamika Ketchings. Tamika, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Corbin. Of course. Well, there's a lot we want to cover today. Your story is so rich with success and giving back. But I want to start with the place we're in right now, <laughs> this tea shop. Can you give us a quick background on what this place means to you and your connection with it? Oh, my goodness. What did this place mean to me? It, it means a lot. Um, when I first got to Indianapolis, a couple of people, a couple of our fans found out that I really liked tea. And so they told me about this phenomenal tea place called Tease Me Cafe. And I literally remember coming. It was probably around 2005, 2005, 2006. And it really became a, a space, a safe space. Um, I mean, I remember coming and sitting in the corner and nobody in here, I felt like nobody knew about basketball. So it was like a place that I could come after practice or at different times and just kind of feel at home. Uh, a couple of years, well, right after I retired, I retired in 2016, came back and found out that the owner was going to be moving him and his wife. And I was like, okay, we've got to make sure that this space stays open. And really, like we went through a couple of weeks of trying to figure out who would take over. And long story short, here we are, took over in February 2017, and I love it. Um, what we've been able to create here is community, you know, a safe space for our community to come and really, you know, diverse in every sense of the word and just people feel comfortable. And I feel comfortable. Like, I love coming early in the morning. I love coming when I was, you know, leaving the office and stopping by, seeing our, our amazing team of staff and our customers phenomenal. It's just, I love it. I love it here. It's fitting we're sitting here surrounded by your memorabilia then. Because basketball brought you here. And I also want to ask about a basketball honor you received earlier this year, being inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame. Can you take me back to that moment when you found out and your reaction? And then since the time has passed, just kind of how you've reflected on that honor? Wow. So I would say, um, I just remember earlier in the week, they kind of tell all of the finalists you'll get a call on Friday in between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. and I remember thinking gosh that's a big gap of time right what happens when you need somebody to come and service they always give you a big gap and they always come at the latest time that they could possibly come the last minute right um so Friday morning you know they said Friday between 3 and 5 p.m. Friday I think I woke up at like 6 probably earlier than that and I was just so excited nervous and excited because um, not everybody gets that you know not everybody makes it to that next step and there have been people that have been turned away and it's not guaranteed that just because you're on the ballot and you make it that far that you're going to make it to the final ballot so about 2 30 I got in my car and I was just driving around I just needed to like get some of that energy out um, and 3 15 I'm driving around Indianapolis like I'm just I came by tease me even though we weren't open and just you know just driving and 3:15 I got the phone call. Um, one of the representatives said we wanted to be the first to welcome you to the Naismith Hall of Fame to the 2020 class. And I literally I'm driving. I'm like ah! And I'm like oh my gosh! I'm driving. And you know I'm screaming. I'm so excited. And even to this moment, like reliving it over and over and over. 
uh, I will never forget <laughs> Friday between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. And I will never forget 3.15 on the dot, the phone call coming. But it has been a blessing. You know, after that, I called my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, and, you know, wanted to share the news with my family. Um, they've been a huge part of my success, my journey, and, you know, being able to accolade that, that I've been able to get. A lot of it is because of my family, my coaches and fans, teammates. I mean, a lot of people that have come before me and have paved the way but the people that have been in my circle that have continued to push me. I'm sure when you, you go through some of these honors and the memories that start to come up, mm -hmm. uh, it offers a chance of reflection. When you think back on your time at Tennessee and kind of the growth you saw from yourself then, what comes to mind now that you're 15, 20 years out of it? Oh my gosh, maturity. <laughs> what comes to mind is maturity. You know, you. We, we get to still being a part of the WNBA, you get a chance to see the rookie come in, right? And even in college, you get a chance to see the freshman come in. And I just go back to coming in at the Fab Four with Samika Randall, Teresa Jeter, Christian H. Clement, and myself. And our journey through those four years of being underneath Pat Helm and being with the players that we had and uh, just being a part of a program that Pat cared, obviously, what we did between the lines. But I think she cared even more outside the line. And that has helped shape the person that I am. Her humbleness, the, the way she treated people, the way she communicated, the way she carried herself. I mean, I can go on and on with just leadership and just so many things intangible that aren't necessarily always taught. But I feel like from watching her without really watching her, I learned how to, how to grow. And I would say where I am, the, the thing I'm most proud of is my maturity and on and off the court, but even more so just my, and thinking back to her, my contribution to society. Springboarding off that, you mentioned Pat, mm -hmm. and I can only imagine what she meant to you and what she did for you as a player, as a person. Are there any memories that specifically stand out, transformational moments that you can still kind of go back to and relive? transformational moment would be my first practice at the University of Tennessee and we would always have open practice you know this was something that Pat our fans wanted to see the incoming freshmen Pat was open to everybody coming and being able to watch and I mean we would have like it would be packed that lower bowl would be packed with people that just wanted to come to watch practice and up until that point I really had never been yelled at for, or had to be disciplined for anything, you know. I mean, my coaches didn't yell at the way I played defense because at the end of the day, even if I got beat, I was going to try to get back and at least I hustled, right? If nothing else, I was a great hustler, but Pat wanted us to do it the right way. And that first day I learned that the defense that I had grown up playing was not good enough defense for Pat Summit. So we got into it a little bit. I don't want to go into the store. We'll be here forever. But the long, I think the long... Long story short, for me, what I learned is in that first practice, A, that she knew what she was talking about. By the way, she had won a championship the year before, so figured that out real fast. But then also how she was able to push me to another limit and to another height of, you know, I think as a player sometimes and as people sometimes, we get stuck in our own ways and we do it the right way. But really how to take the message without the tone and how to listen and be a player. And I think my listening skills got really, really good that year, but just also being receptive to having to change. 
What about awkward? Uh, I specifically want to ask about a moment that you mentioned in your TEDx talk you gave a few years back where you said Pat helped find your voice. Mm-hmm. How so? How did she help find your voice? What did she do to kind of springboard you into that? I remember after practice one day, Pat coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I need to talk to you in the training room. And it's almost like going to the principal's office, like, like, okay, what did I do wrong? Did I not cut somebody off on the baseline? I'm going through my head. What happened in practice? What did I do wrong? And got to the training room. Pat was there along with our uh, athletic trainer at the time, Jenny Moshak. And I just remember sitting on the training room table, and I'm looking at Pat, and she, you know, obviously, and she just goes into this long spill about, hey, you know, when, when people can't see, what do they need? And I was kind of like, just a rhetorical question, am I supposed to answer, am I not supposed to answer? And so I answered, I'm like, glasses. And she said a few more things, and then she said, you know, when, when sometimes when people walk with a limp, what do they need? And I was like, a cane, or sometimes they need something in, in their shoe, and few more, and then the last one she said was, when people can't hear, what do they need? And I remember, ah, she got me. Because I had thrown my hearing aids out when I was in second grade, and I had learned how to live without my hearing aids. I learned how to read lips. I learned how to, I mean, I would always sit in the front row. I would always read textbooks before I went to class, and I would always stay after class to talk to my teacher. And I, I got comfortable with that. And so when we're sitting in that room and I say hearing aids, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how did I get caught up in there? And she just said, look, one day your story will impact thousands, maybe millions of people. I feel like it's time for you to get back into wearing your hearing aids. And I stopped and I had to think about it. And I was like, you know what? I will get back into wearing hearing aids and I will go to speech therapy. But this lady doesn't know who I am because I don't like to talk to people. But she really did. I mean, she set the stage for me to get comfortable with using my voice and being able to speak about having a hearing disability and, have, and being born with a speech impediment. In the same breath, I'm sure growing up with a hearing disability was not easy. Uh, I'm sure, sure you were teased. Uh, Sure, you were uh, ashamed, maybe, of the things you had to wear to overcome them. But what did sports and basketball mean to you during those adverse moments, during those tough moments as a kid, where you had a place where you belonged and you were successful? Yeah, I mean, basketball became my safe haven. It became a place where I could go in, and no matter what, it was somewhere that. I felt like I could excel, you know, and I had a little bit of control. So I feel like really being able to have sports helped me overcome my hearing disability and just, it got made fun of a lot growing up. And through sports and basketball, obviously being the one that later on I chose to, to move forward with. But through sports, it gave me an opportunity to go out and practice and practice and practice and get better and better and better. And the better I got, the more confidence I was able to gain in whatever sport I played. So it didn't eliminate the fact that I had a hearing disability. But of course, you know, in second grade, I threw my hearing aids out and we moved around a lot. So a lot of people didn't even realize that I had a hearing disability. But they knew that it was like, man, she asked 
huh? And she always like, can you repeat that? A lot. But for me, it was, you know, when I learned how to read lips, if I couldn't face people, you know, one-on-one -on -one like this, and I think through sports, because sports is such an avenue of, of using sign language, I was also able to succeed there. You obviously succeeded at basketball, you know, four Olympic medals. Did freshman Tamika Ketching the Tennessee ever imagine <laughs> the career that played out for you? No way. No way. Um, WNBA came my freshman year in college. And so my goal in, since seventh grade was to be in the NBA and follow my dad's footsteps. So now the W comes and I just remember like, oh my gosh, like they made this league just for me. And I got, they got four years to get it right before I get there. I like ecstatic is not even the word that I would use for that. And so, you know, fast forward, boom, 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 get to senior year and tear my ACL my senior year. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, 2001, and I literally can touch the WNBA, right? It's like right there, and I, I go down, and I'm just praying to God, like, oh, my gosh, like, this can't be happening right now. But then, you know, fast forward, make WNBA get drafted to the Indiana Fever, where we are in Indiana still. When I look back at the career, when I look back, even in high school, when I look back at the success that we had, I don't know where I thought I would be. I'll be honest with you. You know, I know I, I had the goal of being in the NBA and had all these other smaller goals and I'm still, you know, setting goals. But I don't know where I would be without basketball for one, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't I never thought that I never dreamed up this storybook ending. It's really cool to live it. Got to experience places all over the world also because of basketball, mm -hmm. the Olympics and Team USA. What did those experiences mean and how do they kind of factor into this big story you just mentioned and uh, just kind of how you reflect, reflect on it now? Well, 96, the WNBA started 97, but really I go back to the 96 Olympic team and the three people that I like locked into, Don Staley, Lisa Leslie and Cheryl Swoops. And I mean, I watched everywhere they went. But at that moment, I said, one day I want to represent my country. And I want to be an Olympian. I, I made the junior Olympic team, but I'm, I'm going to be on the senior Olympic team. Like, I'm going to the Olympic, the real Olympics. And I locked in on that goal. But hmm, making that team, 2002, my first time making the world champ, the senior team for the world championship game, and then Athens in 2004, and so 04, 08, 02, 04, 08, 2012, and 2016. Everybody always asks, what's your favorite Olympic times? And I'm like, you know, think about what happens in four year time. I mean, what, there's so much that happens in four years, and you're in a different phase of life, and every single time you have the opportunity to go, I can't pick which Olympics I wanted that was the best one. But I think when you look at it overall, being able to go and know that you represent something bigger than yourself. We represent the whole United States of America. And when we go to different countries and we play different countries, they look at us as American, but they look at us as representation to what America is. And you take pride in that. You know, everybody, I think back to just the medals and, and being able to stand on that, that podium and you know, they're announcing your name and everything going on. The only thing that's missing is the fireworks.
when you think of the collegiate sports model in America, which is unique to the world, how do you feel like it prepared you well for that international stage and those opportunities at the Olympics and with Team USA? Well, I think it would good. Just thinking back to college and, and the way Pat prepared us and our, our, her coaching staff, I felt like I was prepared for the next level. You know, Pat, we never cut line. You know, you never, in, in classroom, like in the classroom, being there, being on time, sitting the first three rows, like everything that she expected us to do, she expected us to do at such a high level. And so by the time you look at transferring four years underneath her and her system and just a system of excellence and just our culture was about excellence. And then you transfer into the Olympic game and, you know, thinking about the three players that I just mentioned, but the other players that were there, everybody to the way that you, your jersey always had to be tucked in, our socks were always at the same height, the shoes that you wear had to be a certain type of shoe. Everything was specific. But I think because of the order that we have or had and because of the excellence that we had in practice, it carried over to game. And so going back to college, the preparation that I had from being at the University of Tennessee and, and having a system in place transferred to the Olympics and transferred to being able to play in the WNBA at such a high level. Did it ever become normal? You played in four <laughs> Olympics. Was the fourth one as exciting as the first one? Fourth one was exciting. As the first one, I don't know, you know, you don't lose that, that energy and you don't lose that joy and, and you don't lose the, the opportunity and the excitement for the opportunity to represent your country. Every, I mean, I, my first year, I was a baby. Like I was 2002, I'm like, I was, that was my first real year in the, in the WNBA because I sat out 2001. So the excitement of making that team and going and winning with my role models, oh. And then by the time we got to 2016, it's like, oh, you're the old head. <laughs> Y'all have been here. You, you got to do the, hang it up a little bit. So it was such, such a long time in between the process. But I am thankful. I got married in 2016, right before the WNBA season. So my husband got to go over, and you know that was kind of our first real, I don't want to say honeymoon, because it wasn't a honeymoon. We were working. I was working. But our first real, like, big vacation. That was your last Olympics. Mm -hmm. Eventually, like all athletes, you got to hang it up at some point, whether it's right out of college or as a professional. I want to ask about that transition out of sport and into professional world. How much of a struggle was that for you? And how did, how did you get around it? How did you find a way to kind of find a new identity? I think I was a little bit lucky and blessed. I should say I'm blessed. 2014, I made the decision that I was going to retire in 2016. So in a sense, I had a little bit of time to kind of prepare myself for making that transition. My sister and I, we started to catch the Stars Foundation. Last year, we actually celebrated 15 years. And we already started doing all these different programs in, in the community. But at that point in time, when I thought about retiring, it really became one of those things where it's like, man, I used to get up and go to the gym and be so excited about practice. And I mean, I would live in the gym but I could feel myself shifting a little bit. I wasn't all the way to the point of, I want to retire, I'm ready to retire, but I was like, something different. 
I don't feel the same passion and the same love that I have felt in the past. And my dad said that that would happen. He said at some point, all athletes, unfortunately not every athlete because due to injuries and other things and getting cut from team, they don't have the luxury of being able to say when their season's gonna be over. And I was so blessed to be able to have that opportunity. But as you look at transitioning, so 2014, I made the announcement, obviously two years later, 2016, I retired. And I needed a moment. I, I didn't wanna jump into anything like right, right away, right? I wanted to take a moment, breathe, figure out what life would be like. And then, I don't know, I haven't missed the game. The transition was interesting because I feel like there were so many things that I didn't learn from the business side through the 15 years, 16 years that I was in the W that it was kind of trying to figure out, like feel my way. Two years, I was director of player programs and franchise development for Pacers Sports and Entertainment. And really what, I, what my goal was, was to help athletes, to help our players start figuring out what they wanted to do beyond the game. And what I learned real fast in those two years, I started with the fever, then did the Pacers, went back to the fever, did the Mad Ants, and then came back to the fever last year, before, the, before last season, 2019. But what I found out was you can't help everybody. And us as players, us as people, we have to have that drive in ourselves to want to know what's next or to want to, to, to learn and, and gain that knowledge. So that was tough because it's like, no, you need to learn this now. And they're like, okay, you need to chill out. You just retired. You had your time. Let us have our time. And so really being able to find my way and find where I fit in. How important was it? to have an avenue to give back, both to the game and to the community and just to others in general, through whether it be through your foundation, through your professional work, or just other programs or events that, that you're part of. How much did that help ease your transition out of sport? Ease my transition? I don't know about that. Um, I, you know what? I don't know about ease your transition, but I do feel like being able to have the opportunity to still be in Indianapolis. You know, I've, I've grown to love this, like this city. I've learned to love the state. I've learned to love the people that I get an opportunity to work with every single day. And the community we get to impact through Catch Your Stars, through Tease Me, you know, Tease Me community, obviously through Pacer Sports and Entertainment and Indiana Fever and all the people that you get to have a direct connect with, they made it easy, easier because I was still here. I don't know if I would have been able to go to another community and feel the same thing. I mean, you, I would have had to start from scratch. So I think that did make it easier. And then you get a little bit of, um, not leniency, but a little bit more understanding. Like there was something that I didn't know how to do and people are more understanding to help me and to walk me through it. And I appreciate that. Last one. For those student athletes or just professional athletes who are getting near that point and they're feeling like their career is coming to a close, what advice would you have for them to make that transition? I know it's different for everyone, but just what would you offer them? It is different. 
for every single person. And my transition is going to be different than anybody else's transition. I would not say it's easy. You know, I, I would not lie and say, oh, the transition is easy and you'll be able to, because when you have a love of the game and when you have, I think the hardest thing for me was the schedule. I was so locked into a schedule. I knew what time I woke up. I knew what time I got to the gym. I knew what I was doing at the gym. I knew what time I was taking a shower. I knew what time I was getting to the next gym. Like everything was so programmed. And having to shift out of a program and operating at a such high level. And by the way, we operate off of scoreboard. So we always know who's winning and who's losing. And then when we lose, sometimes we know what we need to work on. And that was the hard part. So I would just say, the transition is not easy, I don't want to lie. However, sport prepares you to be ready. It gives you leadership skills, communication skills, working with other teammates, working with you know sometimes difficult teammates and sometimes difficult coaches, but you deal with that through athletics. And then it gives you a platform because you've been in sports and you know whether it be collegiate sports or professional sports, You've been, at a, you've been a part of a program that operates with some type of system and some type of um, preparation that when you make that jump, literally anything that you could dream of, you can, you can do because you have the tools to be successful. Tamika, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing so much of your story. It's very inspiring to hear. I hope others find as much inspiration as I have. Thank you, Corbin. Thank you for having me. That does it for this edition of College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA. I'm Corbin McGuire. Thank you for joining us.